take your Bible, if you would, please. Turn with me tonight in the book of Ezekiel, please. Ezekiel chapter number 1. Ezekiel chapter number 1. I am getting to be an old man. Uh, and I am glad that I'm still around. I would like to be around and be a young man and have seen what I've seen and witnessed what I've witnessed, but I don't think it works that way. And uh, I was uh, thinking today how difficult it would be trying to explain a computer and all the ramifications to Henry Ford. I was thinking today how difficult it would be for Henry Ford, as brilliant as he was, to have the verbal ability to explain some of the advancements in technology that we have today. Imagine the difficulty in finding the words to describe some of the advancement that Ford Motor Company has experienced and explain to Henry Ford the advantage of having robots on the assembly line and what terminology would you use in Henry Ford's day explaining what you and I call normal today. How would you like to have seen Buffalo Bill Cody explaining a refrigerator? Well, it's a big box. That's white, most generally. That has a ice maker on it that seldom works. And it leaks a lot on the floor. Can you imagine the difficulty of some of our forefathers if they had a grasp of what's going on today, how difficult it would be to explain those things. See, as a, as a young boy, I was told uh, to take the horses from the barn down to the creek and just let them stand in it for a while. Because we needed moisture in the hooves to keep them from cracking. I wonder what words I would use sitting on that plow horse explaining the agility of a cutting horse. What kind of vernacular, what kind of adjectives would I try to come up with to explain the difference between a plow horse and, and a cutting horse? Every once in a while, my dad would hook the team up to the wagon, and I'd have to take the wagon down to the creek and just let the wagon sit there for an hour or two, move it one revolution, and sit there an hour or two. See, some of you folks having trouble understanding why that happened. How would you like to have been one of Henry Ford's mechanics explaining a turbocharger? What a trip it would be for them to adequately describe the future. Watch this. Ezekiel chapter 1. And he's going to have to put verbiage, adjectives, descriptive 
terms to something that is so outlandish, so far-fetched, something he's never seen before in all of his life. And he's going to try to explain it so that you and I can understand it. Listen to this. Verse 1, chapter 1. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month and in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Kibar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. A 30-year-old prophet that had been transported from Judea all the way to Babylon. 30 years old. And God has a message for him to tell his people. Now there's only two prophets that prophesied during the captivity from Babylon. Three deportations of the Jews from Jerusalem to Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar and Jehoiachin, the king of Israel. Daniel was carried to Babylon, the first deportation. Ezekiel was carried the third deportation. I mean the second. And the third, Jerusalem, was completely annihilated and destroyed. So Ezekiel is in Babylon prophesying and preaching to the captives in Babylon. In another place in the book of Ezekiel, God told Ezekiel, I don't want you to say one word to those captives until you have sat where they sat. I think that's pretty good. Don't tell somebody how to do something until you've accomplished it yourself. If you're working on your 15th marriage, don't go into marriage counseling. Pretty good idea, don't you think? Huh? If you never caught any fish, please don't waste my time on telling me what kind of bait to use. Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy and preach to my people, but I don't want you to say a word until you've sat where they've sat, experienced what they experienced, feel what they have felt, and when you have sat where they sat, then prophesy. In the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity. The word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kibar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a tornado like no other that you have ever seen, a great cloud and a fire enfolded itself, and a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. Notice he did not say living creatures came out. Likeness. He's trying to find in his vernacular the descriptive terminology that would help you and I in ages to come understand what this is. The likeness. And everyone had four faces. 
And everyone had four you think that'd be difficult for you to describe? I've never seen anything like that. And if I did, I'd fake a shout just to run. Or I'd pass out out of pure fear. He said, that wouldn't scare me. Scare you? Well, it would scare me. And their feet were straight feet. And the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like the color of burnished brass. <laughs> and they had the hands of a man under their wings on four sides. And their four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went everyone straight forward. No reverse. Impossible to go backwards. Because they had a face on every side and wings on every side. And regardless of which way they went, they were going forward. Child of God, which way are you going? Forward for God or backward into the world? Well, would it be all right if I read on because that didn't go over too good? And they had hands of a man under their wings on the four sides, and the four had their faces and their wings. And their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went everyone straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side, and the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and the four had the face of an eagle. The face of a man, which speaks of the book of Luke, the gospel, the son of man. The face of an ox, to coincide with the book of Mark, who presents our Lord as a servant. A face of a lion, because Matthew presents him as king. And the face of an eagle, John presents him as deity, rising high above everything. I know you knew that. And they went everyone straight, this verse 12. And they went everyone straight forward. Whether the spirit was to go, they went and they turned not when they went. Turned neither to the right or the left. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like unto burning coals of fire and like the appearance of lamps. It went up and down among the living creatures, and the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of light, 186,000 miles a second. They moved as the Spirit of God moved them at a speed of 100 
86,000 miles per second. Verse 24. And when they went, heard the noise of their wings like the void noise of great waters, as the voice of the Almighty, the voice of speech, as the voice of the host. And when they stood, they let down their wings. Created to travel in either direction at the speed of light. Created to travel as a flash in the night to bring honor and glory to God. A cherub, if you please. A cherubim to reveal God's glory and holiness to the prophet Ezekiel. Revealed to that prophet as a storm from heaven. Can you imagine, would that have gotten your attention if suddenly from the north came an unusual hurricane, a tornado, bless your heart, but not black and cloudy, but shining as burnished brass. And out of the cloud and out of the smoke and out of the fire appeared these weird-looking beings. Something like no one on earth had ever seen before in their life. Something that was created by God to bring glory to God. Something that represented the four aspects of the coming king, the Lord Jesus Christ. These created beings are created for nothing else but to bring God glory. I read this afternoon, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all, you know the rest of it, to the glory of God. Ezekiel saw something that God had specifically created to bring glory to him. And yet tonight, seated in this place, are distinct, unusual individuals that God has created and recreated by the new birth through Jesus Christ to do nothing but to bring glory to God. Whether we eat, whether we sleep, whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. And of course, when I read that years and years ago, me being reared on the farm, I was brought back to my mind about all those chickens in the barnyard after a rainy day and there's nothing any prettier than a beautiful, proud, fighting rooster. The colors are absolutely, no, maybe I better not call them fighting roosters. Please take that back off the tape. Game cock. Their plumage are spectacular. Nothing any prouder, nothing more beautiful, even a peacock does not even... Now, some of them domineckers you got, they just ain't... <laughs> blah. They come out of the south, not out of the north. But did you know you could raise... All of these chickens together, and they are absolutely harmonious in the barnyard. And before they get into a, an adult rooster, there'll be a boss in the barnyard. There'll be one young rooster is Gyrastacutus, king bird of the barnyard. 
you let it rain, and those feathers get wet and droopy. They will not recognize the boss, and they'll kill each other before the next day. That's why they call them game cops. They don't know how to run. But I've seen, hello. We're not going to have a raid tonight because we're fighting chickens. If we do, I'm the first out. But I remember how pitiful and how sorrowful those proud game chickens were when their feathers got wet. No pride. No energy. No glory. Just walking around Barnwell with their wings drooped and their feathers wet. Does it remind you that when they stop, they let down their wings? Are you bringing glory to God? Or are you complaining about how things are? Well, it would be all right if I talked to you for a minute about drooping wings. Some of you already met him and haven't said a thing. <laughs> haven't said a thing. You already said, you, you prepared that just for me. I prepared this message 45 years ago. Drooping wings. Well, ah, oh, my wings are not drooping. Really? Well, I'm doing what God created and saved me to do. Really? I'm bringing glory to God, really. Would it be all right if I just touched on this subject a while tonight? <laughs> See, I'm trying to explain something you don't know anything about. I'm trying to come up with vernacular that's hard for a worldly Christian to digest. Preacher, how do I know that my wings are drooping? Look in the mirror. Would I be not too forward to say that a lot of Christians I talk to are living in the blog? Have you ever heard the term mulligrudge? <laughs> do this for me just a minute. Even if you strained you and it hurts your jaw to, to do that, have you ever heard of being lower than a snake's belly? Have you ever heard the term just uh, in the dumps. Discouraged, disobedient, droopy, if you please, discontent, despondent, and don't know what in the world we're going to do. That's probably some descriptive terms of drooping wings. Could I please suggest to you that your wings might be drooping if you're wallowing around in the valley of self-pity?
I shouldn't have had that happen to me. I've been praying it would happen to someone else. <laughs> Why me? Because you're a part of God's plan. I'm sure old Lot could have cried out in desperation, Why me? But he said, Though the Lord slay me. Self-pity. Job said, I have understanding as well as you. I will not be inferior to you. There's a good thing for the Christian when they understand that all things happen together for good to them that love the Lord. Many of us do not understand why things come down the pike. And it might be that God is trying to get your wings off the street. And you start bringing glory to God for what you are, who you are, and what God has called you to do. Elijah, that great man of God, got in the valley of self-pity. And you say, well, preacher, it'll never happen to me. Elijah, the Bible says that Elijah said, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree are you familiar with this verse? Henry requested for himself that he might die. Why did he request to God that he might die? Because he was feeling sorry for himself. He was the only one left. After all, God, what are you going to do? I am the only one left to preach the gospel. And he requested that he might die. And in verse 10 of the same chapter, the Bible says, And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken the covenant, thrown down the altars, and slain the prophets with a sword, and I even, I only am left. Sometimes do you feel like you're not getting a fair shake. Maybe here at the church, you're not getting a fair shake. Maybe at the job, you're not getting a fair shake. Maybe in the family, you're not getting a fair shake. And your wings are drooping. And you're discouraging everybody that's around you. You say, I'm not saying anything. No, but your face is so long, you could throw it out the window and use it for a fire escape. Nobody understands. Preach, you don't understand. What I understand is there's no Christian in this place that's inferior to any other Christian. What I understand is there is no place in this world that somebody has not been there and already opened the door for us. What I understand is that everybody's been purchased by the same precious blood of the Lamb. What I understand is there's no super spiritual Christian in this place. We're all just sinners saved by grace. And what I understand is tonight that there is no valley so deep that somebody else has not first went through that valley. And there's no mountain so high that somebody before you had not made a trail through that mountain. So get off your self-pity party, get your wings up, and let's fly for the glory of God. I tell you, 
I'm glad that I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. Amen. I was taken out today for my birthday. I was given a steak. I felt like it was my last meal. Especially when the rest of my family was around the table. Did God bless this old man? Hope he don't have cancer today. But I'm telling you, our Savior is too wonderful for me to walk around in the mully grubs, down in the mouth, looking at everything as if they all are against me. And let me tell you something, Christian. This stinking world is against you. And if you've got one foot in the world and one foot in the church, you as a Benedict Arnold are going to be the most miserable individual in the world. Just tell them what side you're on. Tell them who bought you at Calvary. And tell them where you're going when you die. And just love Jesus all the way because you're going to have problems. But thank God, greater is he that is in me (laughs) than he that is in the world. Amen. Every once in a while I have to just remind my wife, you act like that, my daddy can whoop your daddy. Then she reminds me that she's taken karate. Do you ever get down? Do you ever just feel like everything's against you? Do you ever feel like in comparing with somebody else, well, I'm as smart as they are. Why don't I have what they have? That's evident. You're not smart as they are. Either that or you're a lot straighter and they're more crooked than you are. Don't worry about it. Junk don't make you accepted with the Lord. It's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that makes us accepted tonight. And sure, I guess from time to time, my wife might see my wings are drooping, and every once in a while, my family might see my wings are drooping, but I'll guarantee they don't stay that way long because that brings no glory to God. Garrett, have you ever seen your daddy pout? Do you think things are going to get rough at the house night? Yes, sir. <laughs> Do you think tomorrow there might be some wings are drooping? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, me and Garrett, we, we rehearsed that before the service. Uh, and Garrett really don't mean that. John, have you ever seen Garrett Powell? Yes. I've seen Ada Powell. We've all Powell. When you're going through Joshua or Godly, you want to know what the speed limit is in Godly? Would you like to know what a ticket would cost you in Godly? And Joshua. And I guarantee you, I see that bubble gum machine behind me. Bloop, 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 bloop. My wings begin to fall. You say, well, preacher, you ought not be breaking the law. I agree with that. That does not keep my wings very high. Because I'm just waving at 200 bucks flying right out the window. Does anybody here would testify? Anybody like to testify that? Go ahead. Thank you. Well, why ain't you giving the rapists and the murderers these stinking tickets? Why ain't you patrolling the, the drug houses instead of sitting out here giving me a ticket for breaking the law? <laughs> I 
I know you've seen members of your household with wings drifting. Why don't you get her to take out the trash? That's what mamas are for, to clean up bedrooms. Carry the four-week-old pizzas, put them in the trash. That's not what we kids are born to do. Clean up. Well, kids at my school don't have to do that. Just me. Well, be safe in saying that drooping wings are very evident when we're living in the past. I'd love to have a 57 Chevrolet. Two-door hardtop. Two four-barrels. 456 rear end. Four-speed. No, they couldn't catch it. No. <laughs> well, I'm not going to trust anybody again because somebody got to me. You remember when you did this? Is there anybody here Got any dead cats laying around the house that you haven't gotten rid of yet? Living in the past. Just think what I'd have if I hadn't let that guy get to me. Yeah, God probably let that guy get to you to make you a better Christian. Well, they ought not have said that to me. They'll not get another chance. Always bring dead cats in your closet. My wife has some dead cats. Now she's got some dead chickens. If I don't catch that mask, you bend it pretty quick. She's going to have a dead husband. We're about to run out of honey bun. That bugger steals one or two honey buns every night and leaves the trap unsprung. I think it's my neighbor Ted. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't, you, don't you even think that? Huh? Now, when I was a kid, it would have been me. And my family's stealing them honey buns because we didn't know what that was. But be careful now, if you would please. Those unconfessed sins and those unforgiven memories make your wings up. God gets no glory. And that's why we were created. Now, we can't travel at the speed of light. But whatever you do, and we're to be in all to the what? glory of God. And I think maybe if we're not real cautious now and real careful, that sounds like a grandbaby. I think maybe you can tell whether your wings are dropped with them or not if you if you're just living in the past. I remember when. Boy, I, I I'm always hearing folks say, "Just give me them good old days." Hmm. I used to watch westerns years ago. And I'd sit on my couch with my carbine rifle. <laughs> Good old days. Used to think that I'd like to have been born 
back in the cowboy days. The good old days. Does anybody here ever want the good old days? The 50s, the good old days. The 40s, the not so good old days. 30s, wasn't here yet. Good old days. One bedroom and a past. Charmin, you spell S-E-A-R-S, Sears and Roebuck. Be careful with the slick pages. Be extremely cautious when you go, because your daddy has just put all the beehives between the house and the jar. You go to the bathroom, do it in dark. You don't have a light on your head. Because you might get a few bee reminders on the way. At night, you don't want to go all the way down that long, long, dark path. So you go bring in the slop jar. Good old days. (laughs) And if you're just a little bitty tight and afraid of the dark, and Daddy says, son, go get the slop jar, and you say, I don't want to. He begins to lay the board of education on certain parts of your anatomy, and then you begin to want them good old. Anybody here want the good old days? Billy, I don't want the good old days. You know how far I gotta walk go to the John now? Ten steps. You say, how do you know that? Been doing it a while. <laughs> and when I was young I didn't understand that when you get old There is descriptive terminology that you would not understand until you get there. (laughs) My dad, bless his old heart, he would lay there in the bed and and grit his teeth, cross his eyes, and just hold it till the last minute. And he would hit the floor running in that dark house and know how many steps to go, where to turn left, and when to start going. It was a living thing around our house. We did not shut the door to the bathroom because Daddy made that a law. One night I came in kind of late, and I'd been uh, started jail ministry down at the pool hall and the beer joint. And I forgot that I was not supposed to close the bathroom door sometime during the evening. I heard that storm out of the north, <laughs> that wind turning. And when Daddy hit that door, the whole house shook and vibrated. I was afraid to get up. Next morning... There was blood on the floor, and my dad's nose were peeled. You ask me, do I want the good old days? No, I don't want the good old days. I'm not living in the past. Give me a bunch of t- tomorrow, bless God, and I'll just be satisfied. I'm not going to droop around thinking about the 50s and listen to the platters and, uh, and uh, little Richard and all them godly folk. And I don't care if the jailhouse does rock. I'll just take today and not worry about them good old days. You you know your wings are drooping. If you're living in the past, and I got to close because I'm getting homesick for the 50s. 
any of you folk remember the good old days before refrigerators? Before ice boxes? When we took everything that needed to be chilled to the spring house and set them in the cool water coming from the mountain. If you wanted something cold to drink, it was only about a half a mile to the refrigerator. Good old days. I think I'll just praise God for the nasty now and now. Would that be all right? I think I'll just suffer for Jesus. 2014. How would you like to explain in the 50s Netflix? I can't even explain it tonight. Why should I start now? The good old days. Seminary. Oh, dear God. What a wonderful, wonderful thing I missed. Get up at 5 and drive from Farmer's Branch to Arlington, be in class at 7 with four kids that's going to the nursery. Out of school at 12, drive home by 1, drive to Richardson, and be there by 3 and work 48 hours a week. And take the test and keep the notes and write the project. Good old days. You want the good old days? You living in the past? Not me, man. You know, I can go someplace now and my hands are not greasy when I get there. For years and years and years, the car that I was driving broke down every time I went somewhere. You got one of those now, don't you? Good old days? No. You know what you need to do? You need to thank God for his bountiful blessings on you tonight. Quit wallowing around in the mullet grubs of what used to be. Someone has said, things ain't what they used to be and probably never was because we build them all up right here. Amen? Amen. I'm done. You say you're really good old days. I think drooping wings are evident when you see the bad side of everything and everybody. Man, it's just a whole lot of good things you can see in people. But preacher, you preach too long. You ain't seen nothing yet. When you see the bad side of everything, I like the fellow I read about. He fell out of a hundred-story window, down toward the street he was going. Somebody heard him. He went by the 50th floor. Thank God I ain't hit the ground yet. <laughs> Amen. That's the way you look at it. Just enjoy the trip. Now, the stop <laughs> may be kind of harmful, but just thank God for the trip. Quit complaining about hitting the ground. You ain't hit the ground yet. Enjoy the ride. Don't you think that's a good idea? Evident when you see the bad side of everything. I've told you the story, but I'm going to tell it to you again right before I quit. Little boy in the backyard playing ball. You remember that. I think the boy should be playing for the Rangers. I really do. Daddy hadn't been home very much and hadn't spent very much time with the kids. And he started out the back door, and just as he got to the back door, I had one of them sliding glass doors. He looked out, and the boy was playing ball. The daddy had bought him a brand-new cap, bought him a brand-new uniform, brand-new cleats, brand-new bat, brand-new ball, brand-new glove. The daddy looked out the window, and he saw his little boy out there playing. And the little boy, he take that ball and take that bat. He looked at the ball, looked at the bat, and said, 
I'm the best baseball player in the world. And he missed the ball. Daddy said, oh, my kid's going to be warped. He's going to be an emotional mess. I probably ought to go out there and help him. He said, no, I'll wait a minute. So the little boy picked that ball up. He looked at that bat. He straightened his uniform up, took his cap. You know how all pitchers do. And he looked at that ball. And he looked at that bat. And he said, I am the best baseball player in the world. And he threw that ball up, swung at it, and missed it again. Daddy said, oh, no. Little boy, not discouraged, picked up that ball, picked up that bat, looked at that ball, and said, I am the best baseball player in the world. Threw that thing up, swung at it again, and missed it. And then he said, man, what a pitcher. <laughs> That's how you look at it. So what if you struck out? You might have had a big pitcher. His name might have been King Jesus. He might be the one throwing the ball. <clears throat> he might be trying to teach us something. So let's not give up the ball game. And let's not walk around with drooping wings so that everybody can see how bad we got it. Because that brings no glory to God. These creatures were created to be mobile. They were not created to stand still. God gave them wings that they might move and might move in, bring glory to God. And when they stood still, they let down their wings and ceased bringing glory to God. And all of God's people said, Amen. Get them wings up. 